0: through the New Testament book of Hebrews from the first weekend of this calendar year through Easter Sunday. And by the way, it is not too early to begin planning and inviting for that special worship celebration at the Ford Center on March the 27th. Sunday, March the 27th. Just eight weeks from right now. And you should know that there are some new things that are a part of this dynamic event which will also mark our 49th anniversary as a church family. Well, we have said that the theme of Hebrews can be captured in a single word and that word is greater, greater. Hebrews makes the case that Jesus Christ is greater than all others and that life in Him is greater than any other. And so far, we have seen that Jesus is greater than the angels, chapter 1. He is greater than death, chapter 2. He is greater than Moses, chapter 3. And last weekend, we learned that He has provided us with a greater rest. Today, we're going to see Jesus as a greater high priest. And I can see your eyes starting to glaze over right now, but stay with me because I hope in the next few minutes that we can all see Jesus more vividly and experience him more personally than ever before. And I don't know about you, but my favorite Bible teaching is the Bible teaching that reveals solid truths and fresh insights into the character of Jesus because I want to know Him more. I want to see Him more clearly. I want to love Him more dearly. I want to follow Him more nearly, day by day. Now, when you try to picture a high priest, you might visualize someone that looks something like this. Somebody in special clothing, like a policeman, like a fireman, like a soldier, like a ball player, you probably picture a certain kind of uniform. Well, when the Jews heard the term high priest, they pictured a man dressed in a white linen gown with a robe of deep blue over it and a breastplate with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel and a golden frontlet. And they knew that the high priest was the one who alone could go in to the Holy of Holies in the temple. Only the high priest was allowed to pass through that veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And he only did it once a year to make sacrifices for the sins of the nation on the Day of Atonement. And when he went into the Holy of Holies, they tied a rope around his ankle because if by chance he died while he was in there nobody could go in and get him out so they would pull him out by the ankle with the rope only the high priest could serve as a mediator between God and man and if you were an Old Testament Jew you look to the high priest as your one and only hope of being able to deal with your sins your one and only hope of salvation so how did all this high priest stuff get started anyhow let me just teach a little bit here from the time of the fall of adam and eve in the garden of eden mankind needed a mediator someone who would bridge the gap of sin that separated mankind from god because man is sinful god is holy now before the fall god and the man woman were one, in close fellowship, often walking together in the garden in the cool of the day. And there was nothing to hinder Adam and Eve from living in the presence of God, nothing to disrupt their communion with God. But when the first man and woman ate the forbidden fruit, picked off the one tree in the garden from which they were commanded not to eat, it resulted in a wall of separation between God and man. No longer could God have intimate fellowship with the people he he loved. No longer could people freely enter God's presence. But God did not leave mankind hopeless. He would make a way. He would make a way for that wall of sin to be scaled and in time destroyed. He initiated a way to continue to have connection with his people by establishing a priesthood, a succession of men who would act as mediators between God and man. And the first of these individuals is identified in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. His name is Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of God Most High. His special name means king of righteousness, king of peace. That's Melchizedek. And he appears rather suddenly here in the Old Testament text of Genesis. And then he disappears until he is mentioned once again in Psalm 110. And then he is mentioned extensively in the book of Hebrews in these middle chapters. Latter part of chapter 4, chapter 5, then chapter 7. So what exactly do we know about Melchizedek, the first priest that is identified in Scripture. Well, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 says, he, that is Melchizedek, met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything from the spoils of the battle. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Without going into a lot of detail, there are one or two possibilities here about who Melchizedek is. Now, either he is an Old Testament appearance by Jesus, or he is what is called a type, or an example, or a snapshot. So this could have been an Old Testament appearance by Jesus, who alone could be described as being without mother or father, being without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life. So was it an Old Testament appearance by Jesus himself, or Was this Melchizedek, what is called a type, a snapshot, an example, someone who would actually reveal what Jesus would be like when he came, that through Melchizedek, God is kind of introducing Jesus, who would be both the righteous, the king who would bring both righteousness and peace to the world. And as a son of God, he would remain a priest forever, the permanent mediator between God and man. So there we see Melchizedek, the first priest that is mentioned in the Bible. Okay, now later on, after this early glimpse into the future plan of God for, the, for our salvation through Christ here in Genesis, through Melchizedek, the system of the was officially established in Exodus chapter 28 with God instructing Moses that Aaron and his sons would minister to his people as a priesthood. So the descendants of Aaron would be ordained as priests. They would be ordained as a series of mediators, God's representative to man and man's representative to God. But listen, this was only a temporary fix in Judaism. It's just an intermediate system that God used to pave the way for His ultimate plan. So what is His ultimate plan? What is His permanent fix? Why... It's to make a way for this wall of separation between God and man to be destroyed. To be destroyed, to make a way for us to enter His presence freely once again by sending His one and only Son, Jesus, into our world to live a perfect life, to die as the perfect perfect sacrifice for our sins, to pay the penalty, to make it possible for us to be forgiven and to be restored as children of God. So today... There's no reason for us to go to a priest and ask him to enter God's presence in our behalf. We don't need one because we have a greater high priest. We only need Jesus to be our advocate because he is our greater high priest. And there are some truths in this book of Hebrews that we need to know about him. And the first one is this, that Jesus is a sympathetic high priest Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, Brian read it just a minute ago. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So here we are in southwest Indiana, we're on the threshold of a national election. In a few short months, we're going to cast our vote for those to whom we will entrust our government. And have you noticed that for something like 30 of the last 40 years, we've chosen a president who has first been the governor of a state? Georgia, California, Arkansas, Texas. Now, why do you suppose this is? I think it's because we want to elect someone who understands where we're coming from. We don't want to be led by someone who doesn't share or at least care about our values. We're not attracted to candidates who have been career politicians, cloistered in Washington, D.C. We want someone who considers us kin, someone who, who does not want us to be seen as a bunch of backwoods rednecks, we want someone who can relate to us. Someone who has walked in our shoes. We want someone who is one of us. And that's, and that's Jesus. He knows us through and through. He knows what makes us tick. He knows about your health issues and your heartaches this morning. And he's not some curious scientist observing a bunch of laboratory rats. He loves us. He's not remote up in heaven, unable to understand how we feel. He lived in a body of flesh. He is sympathetic with our infirmities and our weaknesses. He stood where we stand and he faced the sort of problems that we face. So, are you in church here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I've had a tough life. So did Jesus. He was born in a barn, lived in relative poverty. Do you have housing problems? Jesus had no place to lay his head. Do your family responsibilities weigh you down? Well there's no mention of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, after he was 12. Joseph likely had died and as the oldest son, Jesus had to support Mary and his younger half-brothers and sisters from an early age. And as he was dying, Jesus was concerned about who would care for his mother. So do people stigmatize you with, with prejudice? Well, Jesus was seen as the illegitimate son of Mary. And when he tried to reveal his identity as the Messiah to the people in his own hometown, they took him outside of the village and tried to push him off a cliff. So, do people slander or ridicule you? Jesus was called a friend of sinners because he associated with tax collectors and people of questionable reputation. And as he died, the crowd taunted him and said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Are you misunderstood? Well, Jesus healed a paralyzed man and was called a blasphemer. And he cast out demons and he was accused of doing it by the power of Satan, which makes no sense. Are you under pressure this morning? Jesus was followed by demanding crowds, so exhausted that he fell asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm? Are you hated or unjustly treated? Well, the Pharisees hated Jesus so much they plotted for his death, eventually having him arrested and scourged and crucified. Have you been victimized by injustice? Jesus was illegally tried. He was lied about. He was sentenced to death for doing nothing deserving of capital punishment. Have you been betrayed or let down by your friends? Well, Judas, one of the 12, betrayed Jesus with a kiss, no less. And Peter cursed and denied he knew Jesus. And his closest friends abandoned him in his hour of greatest need. Do you feel like God has forgotten about you? That God has abandoned you? Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, why... Have you forsaken me? Are you experiencing intense physical pain? Well, Jesus had a crown of thorns pushed into his head, his beard pulled out, struck by closed fists. He carried the cross, spikes through his hands and feet, hours of limitless pain and suffocating heat. He knows what physical pain feels like. Do you feel unwanted? Crowd chanted, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. You see, you and I do not have problems that he has not suffered worse. He sympathizes because he understands. And Jesus is perfectly suited to represent us as a greater high priest because he knows what it is to face what we face in life, and he knows it from personal experience. There's a difference, however, one difference. When we face temptation, all too often, we give in to get what others have that we think we want. Position, power, money, sex, fame, looks, And Jesus faced temptation too but he did not sin. And the Jewish people deeply desired to have a sympathetic high priest but they seldom got one. The high priests in Jesus' day were corrupt. There were two of them that are mentioned, Annas and Caiaphas. Annas got his power by compromising with Rome. Annas is the one who turned the place of prayer in the temple into a shopping mall. And Caiaphas, he played a central role in the illegal trials and the crucifixion of Jesus. Neither of them cared about right and wrong, good and evil. None of them cared about people. They wanted power and they wanted wealth. And by contrast, Jesus left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha where he laid down his life. He's a sympathetic high priest. He's also an appointed high priest. Hebrews 5 4 and 5. Look at this. No one takes this honor upon himself, he must be called by God. So Christ did not take upon himself for the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. Now this may not mean much to us, but remember the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. And all Hebrews knew, all good Hebrews knew that no one could claim to be a priest unless they were duly appointed as a descendant of Aaron. And to attempt to be a self-appointed high priest would be to invite potentially fatal Consequences, And there are a couple of examples in Old Testament history that these Hebrews would have been quite familiar with. In the book of Numbers, chapter 16, 250 princes in Korah's family decide that they want to be prophets and priests just like Moses and Aaron. And history records that the earth opened up. And swallowed them (laughs) then in Leviticus 10 a couple of names mentioned Nadab and Abihu and they took priestly responsibilities upon themselves that they were not entitled to they were not appointed and they became crispy critters yeah the fire that they were not authorized to use on the altar was the fire God used to consume them now The calling of Jesus and the appointment of Jesus as high priest is because he's the son of God. So he's a sympathetic high priest and he is an appointed high priest. He's also an eternal high priest. Chapter 5, verse 6. You, that is Jesus, you, Jesus, are a priest forever In the order of Melchizedek. That's chapter 5, verse 6. And then over in chapter 7, we see some more words that reinforce this truth. This is chapter 7, verse 21. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, referring to Jesus, are a priest forever. So, spiritual leaders will come and go in and out of our lives but Jesus will abide forever as the only mediator between God and man. Look at 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. Jesus is the one constant in a life full of changes. These days, it's unusual for a a pastor to stay with the same congregation for very long, even though a long ministry is a significant factor in a healthy, growing church. The average pastor's tenure is 3.6 years. But studies of effective pastoral leaders reveal an average ministry of from 11.2 to 21.6 years. Which reminds me of a story I heard about a lady who was devastated to hear that her preacher was leaving. And as she said goodbye, she started to cry. And the preacher comforted her, don't be sad, dear lady, the Lord will send you a new preacher and he will be even better than the last one. And she said, well that's not true, that's what they told me before you came. Well, Jesus is an eternal high priest. And that's why we don't put our confidence in people. We don't get overly dependent on a spiritual leader. We are totally dependent on our high priest, our mediator, Jesus, who is also an obedient high priest, That's in chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. And these verses probably refer to the agony of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So Jesus is the supreme example of one who learned obedience from what he suffered. Now, if you think about it, obedience is never harder than when we're suffering. And the temptation to disobey is never greater than when obedience will only bring us more pain. And that's the situation Jesus faced in the garden. When he prayed, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Don't get the idea when you read those words that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He did. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he knew that when he went to Jerusalem, that he would experience the fate of his Messiahship, that he would suffer and die there. But he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. But you see, it's one thing to decide to be obedient and it's another thing to physically walk into torture and death. Jesus was not only willing to obey, He obeyed, going all the way to the cross. So if you once decided to follow Jesus, I wonder if you're faithfully following Him today. I don't want to linger here for very long because we lived here last week, but obedience to Jesus as Lord. Is necessary for faithfulness until death to receive a crown of life so is your obedience up to date or is there something you know right now in your life that needs to change and you're thinking one day someday maybe be obedient today one more insight from the text one more and Jesus is a perfect high priest. That's what it says in verse 9 of chapter 5 of Hebrews. And once made perfect, he, that is Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, in that verse, when it says that Jesus was made perfect, that does not mean that he had some character flaws that needed to be fixed. Jesus lived a perfect life. He's a perfect high priest. He was perfect before he ever came to earth. Life on earth did not make him more perfect than he already was. The word perfect in this verse is a translation of the Greek word teleu, and the word means to carry on to completion. To fulfill a task completely. So when it says that Jesus was made perfect here, it's not talking about his character. It's a reference to Jesus being perfected in that he completed his supreme task. When Jesus offered himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross, he completed God's plan for salvation. Jesus accomplished what no other high priest could do the perfect high priest offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. Matthew 27, 50 and 51 records, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, one of his final exclamations was, telestai, it is finished. The word telestu Perfect, and the word Telesti, completed. Jesus said from the cross, It is finished. It is completed. We have won. And he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, at that moment, in the temple, there was a curtain that separated from the holy place, separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And that curtain that was as thick as the breadth of a man's hand, you could not have Hulk Hogan tear that curtain apart. But it split down the middle and fell like tissue paper. Because of the sacrifice of the greater high priest, the presence of God, no longer confined to the Holy of Holies, it was released to invade the hearts and the lives of those of us who will receive Jesus as our Savior and our mediator and that's why 1 Corinthians 6 teaches us your body is the temple and the word for temple there is nave it's the word that's used in reference to the holy of holies your body is the holy of holies of God what Jesus did on the cross made it possible for us to be the place where God is worshipped in holiness. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. Just now I want to dismiss our servers to prepare the emblems of the Lord's Supper. And as they go to do that, I want to pull everything I've said together this morning, I want to pull it all together with one passage from Hebrews chapter 7. Here it is. If you plug into this, it'll pull it all together, everything that we have talked about today. I love this passage, and it's one that my guess is that you may have heard, but it's not a very common one, but it's a very powerful one. Here it is. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself the son Jesus who has been made perfect forever well back to the beginning as we come to our time of communion maybe you need to know this morning more than anything else that that Jesus is a sympathetic high priest he knows what is going on in your life today Do you have a marriage in trouble? A rebellious child? A bad report from your recent PET scan? A secret sin that you know is about to be exposed? Chronic pain? Financial failure? A confrontational conversation that's happened or is going to happen? The death of a loved one? A job termination, an eviction, whatever it is. Put it in perspective right now around the Lord's table. You have an advocate with God the Father, Jesus, the King of righteousness and peace. The greater high priest standing beside you today, always interceding for you. He lives evermore to make intercession for you, you. And as we take the emblems this morning, the bread and the cup, let us be reminded That the temple veil was rent from top to bottom, that the presence of God has invaded our hearts, and we have the opportunity to live every day freely moving into and out of the presence of of God. It's a wonderful blessing because of Jesus, our greater high priest. Will you pray with me? Father God, Lord, I just marvel at your plan, your sensitivity to your people. Even back as far as Abraham to send this Melchizedek to give us a glimpse of what Jesus would be like. Knowing that those words were written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus appeared. And thank you, Lord, even for the The priesthood in the Old Testament that just demonstrates to us that no human agent can do it. No human agent can be a mediator between you and and us. All of it preparing us for Jesus to come as our greater high priest. And we thank you that we know him better this way because of our study today. May we never forget it. One mediator between God and man. Jesus. Jesus. Our Savior and our Lord, we remember him in these moments in his name. Amen.